0: Rise and shine, you Syracuse superfans. It's time to pour yourself a tall, delicious glass of Orange Fizz. Syracuse recruiting news, insider information, latest SU buzz. The Syracuse blogosphere comes to life on the central New York airwaves. It's Fizz Radio. It's another edition of Fizz Radio. Matt Bonaparte and Cam Azir with you on this wonderful Saturday morning. Cam, how is your Saturday morning going?
1: It's going great so far. I'm just getting ready to to talk some sports. I think that'll amp me up a
0: little bit. Absolutely, and we're talking Syracuse sports as we always do here on the Score 1260. We've got ACC preseason rankings. We've got Five Star Review, who's SU basketball targeting. We've got it all for you, and it starts right now on Orange Fizz Radio. We recently released an article on orangefizz.net, our website, in which every single Fizz staff member ranked uh, the Syracuse football preseason awards and gave their opinions on the team MVP, best offensive player, best defensive player, most improved, and best newcomer. Before I release the overall rankings and what we all said, I want to hear your individual uh, picks, Cam. Yeah, so for team MVP,
1: I went Garrett Schrader, and this is an interesting one. I don't think anyone else on on Fizz uh, said this is the team MVP because it's based off if Tommy DeVito is really bad this season because that's the only way that Schrader gets in the lineup. I think he will. So it's a big hypothetical, but I'm going with it because I I think if Schrader does play, he has to be the team MVP for Syracuse to have any success. Best offensive player, Sean Tucker by a country mile. He led the team last year when he wasn't supposed to. I think he'll do it this year. Best defensive player, I'm going Kingsley Jonathan. That's someone that really needs to bulk up that defensive line. He's coming back for an extra year to prove himself. I think he does so. Most improved, Luke Benson. I don't think that Luke Benson can have a worse season because he was never targeted. So I think he's, you know, almost a lock to be in, you know, he will improve. So most improved, I'm willing to put him in that category. And then Deuce Chestnut for the best newcomer. I have an argument that Garrett Williams and Deuce Chestnut might be the best young secondary or might make up one of, you know, the two best young secondary players in the entire ACC so give me chestnut in that position
0: so you've got the team MVP is Schrader that means you're you're making the call that Dino Babers will start Schrader uh this season that's fine whatever I mean we don't know if that will happen but that's your opinion cool the one I am so curious about is Kingsley Jonathan at best defensive player my so you've got, Syracuse's defense is made up of a, of a pretty stacked secondary. You've got Garrett Williams, you've got Josh Black even on the defensive line, you've got Rob Hanna, you've got Michael Jones. So you go Kingsley Jonathan, do you think that Josh Black is going to have a bad year? Because on paper, Josh Black is better than Kingsley Jonathan.
1: Right, and I'm not saying that Josh Black will have a a poor year. I just think that Kingsley Jonathan will have a better one, and he needs to have a better one. A big part of Syracuse's demise last season, of course, besides the offense, was that defensive line. It seemed like the secondary was the only part of the defense that was picking up the slack of what Syracuse was putting down. If Kingsley Jonathan is coming back for an extra year, I have confidence that he's going to do something special because he needs to for the Syracuse defense to really propel itself in the top half of the acc i'm not saying josh black will have a bad season i just think that kingsley jonathan will get to the quarterback easier and he will have a better season if more attention is on black then it's looking like my best defensive player kingsley jonathan will shine
0: that is some classic (laughs) cam optimism if i've ever heard it um So my picks, I had team MVP Sean Tucker, best offensive player Sean Tucker. Like you said, a country mile. I just think that this entire offense is going to be so run game based. And now with a little bit of a... Uh, background cast that Tucker has, he doesn't have to take every single carry. You got Abdul Adams, Jarvion Howard, and more of Cooper Lutz this year. He's not going to be running to the ground every single game. Sean Tucker is going to be explosive for Syracuse this season, so watch out for that. Best defensive player, I went with the linebacker Michael Jones. I think that he is probably the biggest leader on this defense, probably besides Jonathan or uh, excuse me, Josh Black. I don't know why I said Jonathan Black. Um, <laughs> He's a phenomenal player, and I think he's going to be even better, and he was arguably going to be my most improved, but I went with Garrett Williams here because Garrett Williams already showed us so much, and he's going to be really thrown into the fire going against those number one receivers in everywhere Syracuse goes. Uh, So he's got to step up if he's going to continue that play, and I think he will because he's a very, very talented kid. And then best newcomer, I think a lot of people said this, Deuce Chestnut. Everybody's hearing a lot about Deuce Chestnut in the uh, training weeks, in the preseason. We heard from Taj Harris at ACC kickoff down in Charlotte that this kid is the real deal. Quote, he can ball is what Taj said. Uh, So those are my picks. Now let's go over to the Fizz Preseason Award Final. These are... Uh, the majority of the of the guys who got the vote in each category, four of us picked uh, the team MVP to be Sean Tucker. So the Fizz says that Sean Tucker will be the team MVP. He also got the best offensive player nod, and then the best defensive player was Michael Jones. So, so far, this is just my list. Yeah, um, <laughs> I'm doing something wrong. <laughs> um, most improved went half to Luke Benson and half to Garrett Williams. They tied with two votes apiece. The thing about Luke Benson, to me, it's going to really depend on whether or not this offense goes in the direction of using the tight end a lot more because we know a lot of the conversation last football season was that this offense didn't use the tight end at all. And we've heard a lot about from other coaches uh, around the college football landscape that it's easy to game plan for Syracuse when you're on defense because they don't use the tight end and their offense is so easy to game plan against because it's so one-dimensional. Well, Matt, uh, Matt, Luke Benson
1: had six receptions for 63 yards and two touchdowns. With no Aaron Hackett there, you're pretty much saying that Luke Benson is your sole number one tight end. Yeah, but they don't use the tight end. What? They don't use the tight end. I I understand, but what I'm trying to say is if Luke Benson doubles his reception total, maybe gets four or five touchdowns as a red zone target, then that is most improved. Like, Luke Benson had six receptions last, if he gets over 100 yards, then Luke Benson is already so improved that you can even include him in that category. I think that out of, you know, out of pure desperation that this uh, this offense is playing off of, I think that you can put Luke Benson in that category because he was so awful last season because he was just never targeted.
0: I suppose I didn't think of it from the angle of he was so underused right. and, and bad that anything would make him the most improved player. But I I don't know. I still think that if Garrett Williams comes to play and he goes out there and turns into a lockdown corner, he should be the most improved player. But that's all yet to be seen. I guess it is a little bit of an easier road when you put it that way for Luke Benson. Um, best newcomer, I think it was all but one agreed that it's Deuce Chestnut. So we've got Sean Tucker, Sean Tucker, Michael Jones, Luke Benson slash Garrett Williams, and Deuce Chestnut as our list. I don't know. I, I think I still have a problem with the Luke Benson thing, but I, I can move off of it. My bigger question, Cam, is with Deuce Chestnut coming into this secondary the big problem, I've I, or the big skeptic, I've been a skeptic about the secondary coming into the season, because listen, you had a Fatu, Melafonwu, Trill Williams, even Andre Cisco for a little while last season to take over that number one spot, and and especially Cisco who could just play center field and kind of help out anybody. uh you, the, you did the the like Garrett Williams and, and Rob Hanna, they were phenomenal, but they didn't have to face those number one receivers. Now. With all those three guys gone to the NFL, it's going to be a lot more difficult of a task to take on the best receivers, the Zay Flowers of Boston College, who is probably going to trounce Syracuse uh, when he faces them. Like, what do you think about the secondary? Do you think they take that step up or do you think they're going to struggle?
1: Well, at the beginning of the season, there's no way that this defense takes a step up. I I mean, right now, it is. uh, there was an interview uh, done with Garrett Williams saying, hey, you were a guy that stepped up last season, but you were still not that leader because there were so many guys above you. There were so many upperclassmen, guys that you mentioned ended up getting drafted in the NFL. I I think that this defense is going to struggle at the start. But they're really gonna, you know, pick up their stride toward the middle and the end of the season because it's a lot of young guys that are very hungry to play. I think these guys are very talented. The biggest issue is the experience factor. Garrett Williams sort of has it, but in that role he doesn't, because that went to you were right. If Fatu would trill Williams, Andre Sisko when he was there. So I'm gonna say the defense will struggle at the beginning of the season, and it's up to guys like Michael Jones. Guys on the defensive line to really get this defense hyped up. But on the energy front, I mean, these are all young and hungry guys. I, I don't think that Syracuse is going to struggle there. I think it's really the defensive line that is has to pitch, pick up much of the, you know, lack of experience lack that Syracuse puts forward.
0: Yeah, I, I mean, they definitely are the young and hungry bunch like you talk about. Uh, and I hope that Deuce Chestnut can kind of fit in there and take over the role of one of those guys who's left. But... I don't know, it's just a lot of uh, Inexperience I guess that I'm getting at
1: Matt you, you seem very skeptical about this defense and I think that a lot of people are maybe a little more skeptical about the offense are you more worried about how the well, offense is gonna pick things up or the defense because I'm curious I've to already see
0: where you I've come already from. mailed it in with the offense I know what that <laughs> offense is gonna look like it's gonna be a lot of uh, turning around and handing the ball off and then every now and again throwing a slant to Taj Harris or just a deep ball to Taj Harris especially if you have Tommy DeVito in the pocket rather than Garrett Schrader Um So I don't have too high of expectations for this offense because I think everybody and their mother knows that Sean Tucker's going to get the ball just about every play, and that's what every defense knows too. It's just whether or not Sean Tucker can go out there and at the end of the day be able to write one of his famous tweets and which he's happy (laughs) with. So, yeah, I mean, everybody's worried about the offense. Everybody's worried about the defense. Syracuse football isn't really uh, the breadwinner in terms of Syracuse sports, so that's just kind of what comes with the territory.
1: Yeah, I agree with you. I think that we just have to, you know, give the offense a a little more breathing room only because, like I said, I think if Garrett Schrader plays, and I know we've had this argument so many times, who's going to start? I think if Garrett Schrader plays, which I think he will after week two or three, after DeVito proves himself like he's done over the past two years to really not play in that system or just struggle over time, I think that this offense actually does better than you think.
0: Well, only time will tell Cam. We got to hit a short break. When we come back, Cam and I will talk ACC preseason ranking. Spoiler alert Syracuse isn't very high. Keep it locked on the score 1260. Back on Orange Fizz Radio, Matt Bonaparte as well as Cam Azir. We talked the Orange Fizz. Uh, preseason award rankings. Now let's look at the college football landscape and what the media thinks about the ACC. What do the different voices around the ACC think about where Syracuse and the rest of, of the ACC teams will stack up in the Atlantic Division. We have a few sources and I have a some bad news for Syracuse fans. all of them have Syracuse finishing last in their division and it's kind of hard to blame them. Syracuse 1 10 last year didn't really show all that much character. Uh, that one win coming against Georgia Tech, and actually a pretty convincing game. I think a lot of people thought they were going to win some games after that, and they really didn't. But, you know, Rex Culpepper did have to finish the season, so we can't give them too much flack. Um, so we've got fan sided, in the acc itself college football news usa today they all say syracuse will be last in the acc let alone the atlantic division just the acc in general there will be dead last cam this is not what you want to see if you're a lifelong diehard fan of syracuse
1: it's not but it's what you expect after last season and it's sad to say but how you're right how can you blame any of these experts or really anyone you're trying to predict the ACC. This team went one in ten last season, and after that Georgia Tech win, it no, it didn't even seem like a game was close. Even games that were close in the score department, it just didn't seem like Syracuse had what it you know had what it takes to 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 pull anything out. It, it was a joke. Um, so I'm not going to blame any of these experts to say that Syracuse will finish dead last. What I will say is people have to start taking last year with a bit of a grain of salt. All the injuries. All the opt-outs, of course, Tommy DeVito not being there, not saying he would have made a world of a difference, but this team might have won two or three games if they had him down the stretch rather than Rex Culpepper. That's a question that you have to ask yourself. I'm going to say that the Syracuse team isn't the worst team in the ACC, but again, not blaming anyone for saying that they will be because of how abysmal last season was. That's That's what?
0: Who is the worst team in the ACC?
1: I think that teams like, you you look at Georgia Tech. Teams? Multiple? What? You
0: think there are multiple teams worse than Syracuse in the ACC?
1: I do. Oh my goodness. you're What an
0: optimist you are, Cam.
1: I I, I am. I don't think Georgia Tech is better than Syracuse because when Syracuse was at its lowest point, they demolished Georgia Tech. And and unfortunately, we don't get to see it because I don't think Syracuse plays Georgia Tech this season. But I don't think the Yellow Jackets are better than Syracuse. I would struggle to say that um, uh, that that a team like Duke is better. I, I'll I'll gladly say they are, but I don't think I, I could you know make the argument that Duke's <sighs> not better than Syracuse. I don't
0: know. Are you? St- I, don't know. I just. I, I mean, I'm not they, saying I'm
1: not saying I don't have trust in David Cutcliffe, but I don't have trust in David Cutcliffe. Well, what I like was this about
0: team to is-, say is at least Duke has good coaching, and Georgia Tech at least has a solid quarterback, and they know who's going to play quarterback. Listen, when you're looking at Syracuse. You don't you don't have a team that has a proven source of offense other than one running back, and the defense has more holes than a than a block of Swiss cheese. I <laughs> I I don't see how you could you could look at this season and say and be at all optimistic about Syracuse. I'm currently looking at the cuse.com page, and the first thing that pops out to me is the .09 win percentage that they had last season. I mean. All of I said grain of momentum. salt. Sure, sure, sure. You are correct in that. And I'll agree that last year you do have to take with a grain of salt. And they're certainly better than their record last year. Fine. That's that's all well and good. They shouldn't have lost that game in which Rex Culpepper spiked the ball to, to lose the game. That was the most embarrassing moment in Syracuse sports history. Whatever. But... I just don't think that you could possibly say that Syracuse is worse than Duke, or is better than Duke, and better than Georgia Tech, because these are teams that have fan bases that are actually excited about something. What <laughs> That doesn't mean anything. Of course it does. There's nothing to be excited about except for Sean Tucker's tweets at the end of the game. Right, but, but
1: Matt, if Syracuse, and this is, again, it, it won't really mean anything, because this is before the Orange reach ACC play, but Syracuse beats Ohio, they somehow find a way to beat Liberty after beating Albany. I'm not saying that, you know, this team is going to go on to win eight or nine games, but there was a bit of hype after Syracuse won that Georgia Tech game and they thought they would, you know, move on to, to win a few more. I'm not saying if Syracuse picks up three wins against non-conference opponents, that could be great for SU because then you go into ACC play with people actually on your side.
0: All right. Here's my thing. My last point on specifically Georgia Tech and Duke. As for Duke, that one's going to be close. They were 2-9. and nine, They weren't that much better. So, that one is probably a gamble. I mean, maybe it could go either way. Fine. But Georgia Tech, you, at least they're scheduling teams that are way better than them because they have some kind of confidence. I mean, they've scheduled Clemson, Notre Dame, and Georgia this year. Three teams they did not have to play. So I, and that's why they won't they won't have a great They're not going to have a great record. But at least they think that they have a chance at beating these teams. Syracuse would never—Syracuse is playing Albany. They're playing Ohio. Great. I I don't see how you could possibly say Georgia Tech is worse than Syracuse and will finish worse. Matt, if
1: Georgia Tech gets trounced by Clemson, does the same with Notre Dame and Georgia— And then they go and play a team like Virginia Tech, Boston College, whether it's Miami, Virginia, Pittsburgh. Let's say they get beaten down by all those teams because I can argue that Georgia Tech, in my opinion, will be the worst team in the ACC. I don't care if you have confidence, no confidence. If you have, uh, I don't even know, the pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. (laughs) It doesn't matter about your scheduling. If you have confidence in your team, but then you lose every single game in the ACC, I don't care. I like that Syracuse is scheduling games as they are. I don't need Syracuse to have confidence in themselves. I don't need fans to have confidence in the Syracuse football team. Let the Orange prove that for themselves. When Georgia Tech is busy losing 55 nothing to Clemson and then closing out the season and blowout losses to Notre Dame and Georgia, the Syracuse fans will be sitting pretty with four wins while Georgia Tech is wondering why they have one win or zero wins. And they're like, why do we have confidence?
0: Sure. Like, yeah, but I don't know. I just feel as if, at the end of the season, if Georgia Tech is one game worse than Syracuse, depending on the season they have, of course, I think I'll be sitting there going, they're still better. And the, and the, the I think most experts would agree because they hate picking Syracuse because they're bad, usually. But, I don't know. It's just how it goes. So, so do do you have Syracuse dead last? I, yeah, of course. The only team that okay. I think could rival them for their, their huge spot of dead last uh, <laughs> is Duke, who is also pretty darn awful. Duke does have 10 starters coming back, which is the only thing that they have going for them. Um, but they're bad, too. So uh, I guess we'll see. But, you know, we don't have all the answers right now, but uh, eventually time will tell whether one of us is an idiot or not. That's always what happens here on Fizz Radio. Matt Bonaparte and Cam Azir with you on this wonderful Saturday morning on the Score 1260. We've talked our own preseason awards. We're now talking preseason ACC rankings. And all I want to ask you now, Cam, is we've talked about how bad Syracuse is and whatnot, and nobody really likes to hear... So so much crying and and whatnot about how terrible this team is, but let's let's be let's take some a page out of your book and be a little bit optimistic for a second. Say Syracuse is good this season. They come out of nowhere. Dino Babers is right about the holy trinity idea in which they go four and eight, four and eight, ten and three, maybe five and seven, one and ten. Maybe they're good this year. That's what he said in the Athletic. Uh, State of the Program article, that was Matthew Gutierrez, a really good piece on Syracuse there. Um, so say they're good this season. How many wins, in your opinion, does it mean for Dino Babers to get, his fa- to get the fans back on his side? I'm not saying to keep his job, because I don't know if we know the answer to that. But just to get the fans back on his side, what does he need?
1: Uh, well, first off, if Syracuse beats Ohio and Albany and Liberty, a lot of uh, fans of Syracuse football, or even you know, just fans of Syracuse, and they might not know football as much, it, it really doesn't matter, to, to be completely honest with you. It really comes down to the ACC. I think if you get three ACC wins, that's a win for you Syracuse football fanatics. That's a huge win. So overall, I think that if Syracuse makes a bowl game, that's all that the Orange need, because right now, the Orange are in a, are, are you know, digging themselves out of a hole. So uh, the whole, you know, will Dino Babers keep his job? I'm glad that we're not really talking about that, because you're right, we have no clue. He could sign a contract extension tomorrow. We, we have no idea at all. For people to be on Dino Babers' side, it's about longevity. Dino Babers has to sustain, you know, making it to a bowl game for consecutive seasons. This holy trinity he's talking about, Dino Babers, I'm glad that you have an agenda, but unfortunately for Syracuse fans or fans of certain teams, it gets really old when you're winning three games every single season and we have to pray or fans have to pray for a 10-win season once every blue moon. So I'm gonna say six or seven wins. If Syracuse makes a bowl win, a bowl game, I think people can get back on Dino uh, on Dino's side. The biggest issue is Syracuse is not making a bowl game. If they shock everyone, I think that that would be the biggest win.
0: I agree with you 100. percent I was gonna say he needs to get to a bowl game, so about six or seven wins. Um, I don't know if that does get the job done for Dino. I I, I have a feeling that these fans are really, I mean you got to understand the 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 emotional roller coaster that Syracuse fans have gone through with this guy he comes in in what 2017 2016 2017 and you know they beat Clemson in 2017 everybody's going crazy maybe this guy's the real deal he he basically pulls them out of this rut, a ten and three season. Everybody's talking about where is he going next. We were having real conversations about where is Dino Babers going? Is he gonna go to Florida State or Michigan? That was a real conversation people <laughs> were having and a discussion that was going on. And then the five and seven season happens. Everybody starts to lose a little bit of faith, but hey, maybe in in the COVID year, 2020, things get better. Nope. One in ten. So it's been the highest to the highs with Dino Babers and now the lowest of the lows. Um, so I guess we'll find out what happens this season. Again, time will tell. We don't know. Uh, but certainly going to be a a fun ride nonetheless. If they win no games, whatever, but we'll still have fun with it here on Orange Fizz. All right, we're going to have to take a a little break, but on the other side, it's five-star review time. Who else is Syracuse basketball targeting? The race for Chance Westry is heating up and more. You're listening to Fizz Radio on the Score 1260. Five star review. Five star ride. I'd
1: like to share
0: with you one of our five star reviews. Eight, five stars. It's five star review time here on Orange Fizz Radio. Matt Bonaparte and Cam Azier once again with you back on a score 1260. Now it's time to talk some Syracuse basketball recruiting, now a, a, a program that actually wins games. That's uh, It's fun to talk about. Um, of course, the Sweet 16 run last year has brought in some new eyes on Syracuse. We've been seeing a lot of guys committing that probably wouldn't have if Syracuse hadn't had any kind of success recently. Uh, Let's start with Chance Westry, a guy that was on Syracuse's board quite early. A lot of fans were talking about this kid for a very, very long time. What do you have to say? It's starting to look like Syracuse won't get him for a while. It seemed like he was absolutely coming to Syracuse. Now, not so much.
1: Yeah, so Syracuse fans realize you have Justin Taylor... Kamari Lands and Kadir Copeland. There's nothing to really, you know, complain about. But when it comes to picking up, you know, huge talents, whether it be three, four or five stars, you have to realize there's some sacrifice with that because top talent type of guys don't want to come to a program where they won't see the ball as much. And, you know, they could go to a different program and be that number one guy. Anyone that comes to Syracuse now will be that two or three, and they still have to compete to get to that level. Chance Westry's a great player. He can shoot the ball. He can drive to the rim with aggression. He's a guy that every program should want. 4 star great body type for his position because he can really bully his way through any defender but you're right matt it looked like it was all syracuse there was a prediction of crystal ball prediction up on 247 sports and now all of a sudden after Kadir copeland the the most recent combo guard that committed to syracuse once he made that decision lsu has jumped on chance westry it looks like he'll become an lsu tiger and a big part of that is it just seems like westry wanted to wait to make his commitment He just transferred high schools. He's over it now. I think it's Hillcrest Prep, who he will be playing with. uh, Kamari Lands over there after being at Sierra Canyon for a couple of years after transferring there. So he's been all over the map. But it seems like Westry is going to head to LSU or a different program because, like I mentioned in my most recent article, you can go check it out on orangefizz.net. There's just too many cooks in the kitchen. I just don't think that Chance Westry wants to compete for a third spot. I think he wants to lead a team.
0: Yeah, absolutely right. Too many cooks. I mean, if you look at Syracuse's 2022 class right now, which I feel like every Syracuse fan has probably <laughs> memorized these names by now. You've got Kamari Lands, Justin Taylor, and Qadir Copeland, two of which are listed as small forwards, one of which is a combo guard, and that combo guard Kadir Copeland is 6'6". So you've got all guys who are very similar in stature to Chance Westry, who's also 6'6", listed as a small forward, you're looking at playing time right now, and it's not something you're probably going to get at Syracuse if you're Chance Westry, uh, especially the track record that Bayheim has of not playing guys right away. Um, I wouldn't. I don't blame him going to LSU, a warm weather school. That's what he's n- knows. I mean, he's from Phoenix. The guy right. wants to go play in warm weather. Well, I mean, he um, wants Pe- to go from Phoenix to Syracuse. Well, Pen- I think he's a Pennsylvania native,
1: so I think he just doesn't oh, want to true? come back to the Northeast. Maybe that's something. Eh, maybe shot
0: All right, well, moving on from Chance Westry, let's look at another 2022 potential Syracuse target, the combo guard from La Lumiere High School, originally from Baldwinsville, New York, J.J. Starling. What do you have on him, Cam? Currently, the list shows Maryland, Duke, Stanford, Syracuse, and Alabama, who are the closest to this kid.
1: Yeah, it's interesting. It seems like Maryland's on everyone's radar. Maybe it's just Syracuse and Maryland in some kind of cahoots because every time you look at, you know, a guy that's committing to Syracuse, he has Maryland high up there on the list. I don't know what the Terrapins are doing over there. But this would be a huge loss for Syracuse. A local kid, yeah, he's now at Lalumir, but that's actually a positive because he's going to be facing better and more national competition. You know, guys that are being looked uh, looked at by scouts all over the country and traveling nonstop. This would be a big loss for Syracuse, even though Kadir Copeland is already on his way to central New York. We don't know what Joe Girard's going to do. Will he return for his fourth season? Because then he would be that guard. It seems like Beheim loves him at the top. So where is J.J. Starling going to go? But this is a local kid. You've almost been, you know, eyeing this prospect for longer than anyone else because he is so close. I think the drive's like 20 minutes away from the dome from his, from his last high school. So I think that J.J. Starling, still there's a high possibility he comes to Syracuse. Only because it's the fact that you, you know, might be going to the, the school that you grew up rooting for. But I, the biggest caveat is now that Kadir Copeland is there, you already got a combo guard. There's a few other guards that just transferred in. Again, it goes right back to playing time. So I think that, you know, bank on J.J. Starling coming to Syracuse more than uh, more than um, Chance Westry. But, uh, you know... Syracuse already has three top-level commits. So I wouldn't be surprised if Starling went somewhere else. I'm going to give Starling about a 40% chance to, to come to Syracuse only because it seems like his recruiting trail is a little less publicized. You mentioned all those schools I don't think he's going to Duke, but I think a school like Maryland could be one of you know his top suitors. So it'll be interesting to see. I, I think that JJ Starling has a has a high chance to come to Syracuse, especially better than Chance Westry.
0: Here's the thing about Starling in terms of the the playing time conversation. He's a combo guard listed at 6'4". He's smaller than all those other guys. I think you could pop him at the top or or at the two, and he'd get plenty of time playing. Um, And, of course, like you mentioned, the Baldwinsville connection, Syracuse watched this kid grow up right in their backyards. I mean, it would be tough if Syracuse didn't get this kid or at least didn't try. Uh, And the other thing is Duke's in this conversation. Really, they are. So if you lost this kid to Duke... And he grew up in Baldwinsville. What kind of look is that? I mean, that is just brutal. I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying, like, you got to make sure it doesn't happen. So Syracuse should probably hop on this kid. Unless, you know, Jim Boeheim's comfortable with what he's got. He thinks those three kids uh, are going to turn this program into a perennial NCAA tournament visiting team. Um but I don't know. Well, time will tell. Syracuse is loving these these combo guards, six four, six six, six five kind of guys, uh, who can play shooting guards, small forward. They can shoot, play defense, and and Syracuse fans ultimately should be happy that these guys are coming to the team because at the end of the day, this is exactly what we've wanted for so long to see Syracuse do. And they're finally doing it. All right, on to our third and final SU target of the day. It's Peter Carey, the 6'11", 190-pound big out of Sunderland, Massachusetts. What do those numbers remind you of? Oh, yeah, Marek Dolajai, probably. Uh, another kid who's near seven feet tall, uh a buck ninety. Uh, of course, Syracuse is after him. He's not even ranked on twenty four seven, not even warm with any kind of team. So he's gotten offers from Syracuse, Massachusetts, Brown, Albany, Bryant, Iona, Rutgers, and of course, St. Bonaventure. Uh, what do you think uh, about Syracuse and their potential big, Peter Carey?
1: He needs to call up Mark Dolzheim and get some pizza maybe a pizza true, sponsorship. True. Yeah, I mean he has to work on work on his body if he's going to become an ACC center, especially because that's where Syracuse lacks the most. So, yeah. when you talk about three star-studded commits that are already coming to Syracuse in 2022, who will be mm-hmm. left on the board? Who cares less about, "Hey, am I coming off the bench or am I getting playing time?" It's someone that has less recognition from lower from, you know, from lower-level schools. On top of the fact that he is not one of the best players in his classes, so he's maybe expecting to either start or be that first guy off the bench. So I think that Peter Carey and any other player that's being looked at by Syracuse is someone that is unranked or has less recognition. That's probably where Syracuse can can hang its hat on because you already have three, you know, top what 130 guys in the class of 2022, and that's you know not tracking Kadir Copeland's development over time, so I'm pretty confident when it comes to Peter Carey coming to Syracuse because it doesn't seem like that center spot is being filled by someone that is much better, so Peter Carey, get some pizza in you and put on some weight, and I think that Syracuse can, can use you at times.
0: Yeah, um, it wouldn't surprise me if the only certified big Syracuse Gets is the guy who has a no-star ranking and and nobody's ever heard of. That's just classic at this point. Um, It's not exactly vintage when you think of Derek Coleman and Ronnie Cycli, but it's currently what we have come to expect from this program. So is Peter Carey the answer to the where is the big question? Probably not. But is he a stepping stone to... Maybe the next one? Maybe. I mean, I don't know anything about whether or not he's going to come yet. I think it's relatively early uh, in his recruiting process. Nobody's really bitten too hard on him just yet. Uh, But, I mean, we'll keep you updated on his recruiting status. Again, 6'11", 190. He's not exactly a physical specimen, but he is 6'11", so Syracuse will probably take that. Right, Cam?
1: It's something. I mean, this team is banking on him being a diamond in the rough. That's the last, and especially because Peter Carey's not deciding anytime soon. This is a guy where his, you know, his recruiting scene has really ramped up over the past couple months. This isn't someone that's been vied after by multiple schools for the past three years. So he, he's he will be a diamond in the rough if he is good at the next level. If he is good at the next level. That if is a strong one.
0: All right, we'll be wrapping up shop when we come back. Fictional Fizz as well as Fizz Feedback are waiting for you after the break. You're listening to Orange Fizz Radio on the score 1260. It's closing time here on The Score 1260. Matt Bonaparte and Cam Azir back with you on Orange Fizz Radio. We've got fictional fizz as well as fizz feedback for you to close the show. Let's start with that fictional fizz. It's the segment where I create fake betting lines. Cam tries to make a bet on them, and then I tell him how bad his bet was. (laughs) The first one. Since you talk so highly of him, I want to know how good you think he'll be. I've got Kingsley Jonathan Sachs, the over-under, set at four and a half. Oh, come on. That's over. He'll get more than... Really? He'll get more than...
1: Yeah. I think he'll have... I, I'm not going to guess how many he'll have, but he'll easily have over five. Yeah. What? I, I, this is about, How... I, I'm telling what are you, you going Matt, off Matt, of? I'm telling you. I'm, I have a feeling. It's an inkling. You you said these are fake betting
0: lines, so these are are predictions I'm throwing out there. All right, fake betting lines, poor predictions. It all comes in one on (laughs) fictional things. All right, our second one. uh, By the way, I think that Kingsley Jonathan will be under 4.5. How how much under? How much under? I think he'll have like 2.5 or 3. Okay, well, I I respect
1: that. I I just also think that, you know, like I said, this is a guy that's coming back with something to prove. So I I have a lot of hope in the... In the 6'4 defensive lineman.
0: Alright. Alright. I mean, I don't know if that's a smart bet, but we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. And if maybe you'll be calling money. me a dummy at the end of the season. <laughs> um, all right. Our second betting line is Joe Girard points per game. Last year he had nine point eight points per game. This year the line is set at twelve and a half.
1: Oh, uh, you know why I hate Vegas because they're always so close to the line and I think this well, is, this tra- is Vegas no, that, this that's, that's is what Maddie I'm saying Bones. right that's why I, I, it's translating over to you now because it seems like you are you you're so close to what I'd predict because I'd probably say around 12 or 13 points so thanks for doing that that's Bones. Cool. um it's huge I'm gonna go I'm gonna go with over but barely so give me like 13 or 14. I think that Benny Williams will actually help Joe Girard because there's no longer just a decoy on the wing or someone just trying to crash the boards like a Quincy Garrier, even though he got better at three-point shooting. I think that Joe Girard will have more open looks. And if he can't make those open looks, you got to bank on Buddy Beheim scoring 25 a game. So I'm going to say he's not going to. So Joe Girard will drop about 13 or 14 a game. So over, but I'm hesitant. So I'm shaking giving my money over to you.
0: So you're thinking he'll be scoring like 13.7 points per game?
1: Yeah, maybe 12.6 if the line's are okay. 12.5. Wow, half. that would be wild.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I think it'll be... I'm going to take the under. I think he'll be above 10 but below 13. I think he'll be like at, I don't know, 11.4 or something <laughs> like that. If you get the point I, four, If you get the point <laughs> four, I think, you know, he'll, he'll be fine. He'll be better than last year because he was god-awful last year, but I think that the fans actually really help Joe Girard. So having the Carrier Dome once again packed for a basketball game, I think will be really, really beneficial for the Glens Falls native. All right, our last betting line, fictional, of course. Syracuse Basketball 2022 commits. How many will there be when it's all said and done, Cam? I have the line set at three and a half.
1: I'm so happy you did that because I, I think it'll be four. Because okay. I, think, I don't think that another four-star will commit. I think it'll be another guy that not really many people have heard of that want to join a team and maybe be a part of that youth movement moving forward past 2022. Now, obviously, a big part of it is is—is Benny Williams going to come back, so you don't know how playing time is going to get divvied out, but I think it's a guy like Peter Carey or someone that is unranked or on a two-star level that not many people know about. So, well-known recruits, it'll, be, it'll stop at three, but I think that it'll be four at the end of it all.
0: I agree. I think they're going to get at least one more guy. Whether that guy is um, Peter Carey or not, I guess we will see, but... Uh, yeah, I'll also take the over because, you know, there's always another guy who Syracuse wants, maybe takes a flyer on. We'll see how he does, whatever. Um, so I think uh, I think, yeah, it'll be over. All right. Let's head over to Twitter where we have Fizz Feedback. If you want to be a part of our polls, just head over to Twitter. Probably on Wednesdays is when we throw them out. Uh, the first fizz feedback poll cam is which of the Fizz's syracuse football preseason awards would you change the article was linked uh, the options were sean tucker michael jones luke benson slash garrett williams and deuce chestnut the winner was luke benson and garrett williams and most improved what do you uh what do you have to say about that that's wrong i think the
1: defensive player <laughs> of the year won't be michael jones you, you already know who i think i know will be.
0: i'm highly aware
1: So I I think it'll be Kingsley Jonathan, but I wouldn't be surprised if it's either Josh Black or Garrett Williams. I have trust in Michael Jones. Will he be the player of the year on the defensive side? In my opinion, no.
0: I think that uh, they're actually right at 42.1% in the Benson-Williams gate. Uh, I I just don't think Luke Benson's getting the job done. I think that it's not any fault of his. I just don't think that they're going to be throwing the ball to him because that's just how this offense rolls. Dino Babers doesn't like utilizing his tight ends, and we've come to know that over the past season, and it's just ridiculous. But hey, you can't really do much about it when you're sitting in my chair. All right, let's move on to our second poll. Syracuse football is picked to finish dead last in the ACC by most experts. Where do you think the orange will end up? 1 through 5, 6 through 9, 10 through 13, 14, also known as last. Uh, give me 10 through 13. I, I, I,
1: I like I said, if you've been listening to this entire uh, this entire Fizz Radio on this Saturday, I think that this team will either end up 11, 12 or 13. And I have confidence that it might be 11 or 12. So if you're happy about not being in that in that extreme lower echelon of the ACC, then side with me.
0: I think you really have to admire the confidence <laughs> and optimism of the the Fizz faithful. 45% of the the fizz picked 6 through 9. Wow. I mean, they think these guys are going to win games and I think you really got to appreciate that because the orange faithful never leaves. That's why they're faithful. There's confidence um, bones. There's your confidence that Georgia Tech has. You know, there's so much confidence in the air. I'm going to take a little bit of it. I'll say they're 13th. I'll okay. say Duke is worse than them. Okay. That's what I'll say. Um so I think they'll be 10 through 13. Uh, there is one comment from Orange in the bl- in the buff. He said, "Is there a spot below last?" <laughs> Sadly, no. Sadly, there is not. All right, our last poll. With three 2022 SU basketball commits incoming, will any more players join them? We both said yes. There will be more players joining them, and the Fizz agrees. 90.2% says yes. More guys are on the way. What do you have to say about that,
1: Ken? There, There we go. The, the Fizz Nation knows what they're talking about. Hopefully you've been reading the recruiting articles on our website because we agree as well.
0: Yes, absolutely. All right, that does it for Orange Fizz Radio this week. For cameras here, I'm Matt Bonaparte. If you want more of our coverage, follow us on Twitter at Orange Fizz or go to our website, orangefizz.net. We'll see you next time.